Sharon and I will celebrate uh, in July 50 years of marriage. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter who you talk to. If they find that out, they always say she is a godly woman. <laughs> we were at uh, having lunch at Lone Palm and uh, Barney Barnett. How many know him? How many don't know him? Well, Barney Barnett, of course. How many know Carol Barnett? Not Carol Barnett, Carol Jenkins Barnett. How about that? But anyway, he's a Publix executive. And um, Dan was with us, and he said, Barney, this is Reverend Blackburn's wife, and uh, oh, it's so good to meet you, and something about, uh, wow, um, how, how do you keep up with him? It's like, you know, that was not a pleasure. Publix is where it's shopping is a pleasure, and how the guy that makes a derogatory comment about to my wife, I thought, how sad is that? <laughs> but I, uh, I suppose I may have earned it a little bit. Amen? There have been times in that 50 years uh, of ministry, credential ministry, 50 years, um, and there have been times that um, we just we wanted to give up, quit. Not anybody's fault, just totally exhausted. We only have one speed at our house, and it is, it is get up and go. You know, it's let's, let's go. Let's get the job done. Let's go at a high rate of speed, and uh, let's do all that we can because time is short. There are times when uh, maybe you, like I've been, your emotions are depleted. I'm not a super emotional person. <laughs> but maybe your emotions are a bit depleted. You've been slapped several times. And the Bible says, turn the other cheek. And you say, emotionally, I can't turn the other cheek anymore. I want to go cheek to cheek now. But we know emotionally we hit those places. We know that there are times when we've done everything that we could do, putting your best foot forward. I mean, back when we were in the midst of building Masterpiece Gardens and, and one of the individuals who was a leader, one of the presbyters wrote, Brother J. Floyd Johnson, a three or four page letter, single space. Wayne's got his head buried in the sand. He'll never be able to get this job done. And I'm thinking when you're in the middle of going and driving from here to Lake Wells two and three and four times a day and in the office and in the weekend out preaching every week, every single weekend, two services somewhere, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and having to drive many, many miles to get to the other destination and then show up for work early on Monday morning and do all of that. I thought, wow, you know, how about a little encouragement? You know, you put your best foot forward and still somebody finds fault with it. You do that. That happens. The good news, all of us have experienced that. And the only way not to experience that is to do nothing. Sit idly by and absolutely do nothing but moan and complain. Here's the bad news. If you stay moving forward, it'll probably happen again.
Amen? Probably happen again. And our text gives us insight to an individual that maybe we could compare to. It is the Apostle Paul. I mean, how, what greater disciple or, or great man of God uh, can you find? An apostle. The Apostle Paul. You think, wow, if he, he went through tough situations, well, what do you do? Here's what I found out in my life and my ministry. Always stick to what you know. Say that with me. Always stick to what you know. Say it again. Always stick to what you know. Here's what I know. I have believed in God, and God promised not to leave me nor forsake me, and he promised me that he'd never put me in a pot of hot boiling water, but I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to take it. That's what I know. I know that if I die... If you die, I know there's an eternal reward waiting in heaven. So give it all you got. So always stick to what you know. And that's what Sharon and I in our lives and ministry, that's what we practice. Uh, Abba Iban wrote, you can't achieve anything without getting in someone's way. Say amen. And you can't be detached and effective. If you're moving forward, if you have a made-up mind, to get the job done, you're going to get what it is you need to do done. You're going to get in someone, or someone's going to get in your way, no doubt about it. But what do you do? You do like we were when going on 30 years now, 29 and a half years, you become radically committed to whatever it is that God has called you to do. Radically committed to your family, radically committed to your church, radically committed to the project that God has given you. You become radically committed and say, this is what God said to me. And how many of you know by a raised hand, God still speaks to us today? Raise your hand. He still speaks to us today. Acts 18 verse 9, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. And what did he say? Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. In other words, that's the project. That's the call that I have called you to do. And we find that the Apostle Paul is in a great difficult place. He's come to Corinth and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to go to Corinth because it's uh, the capital of the Roman province. I, I don't want to go to Corinth because it's the most important city of this day. I don't want to go to Corinth. It's a major route to commerce. I don't want to go to Corinth. It's a city of wealth and luxury and immorality. Immorality is everywhere. God, I don't want to go. God said, that's exactly, there is no other place on earth I want you to be than to be at Corinth. And sometimes when you're up against it, sometimes when there are challenges all around you, you might come to the realization there is no other place on the planet that God wants you to be than right there in the middle of that. And if you discern that and you know that in your heart of hearts, let me encourage you, be radically committed and stick to what you know. There's some good news. Two individuals, Aquila and Priscilla, are converted Jews. They are there. And guess what they do? They bring pleasure to Paul and say, hey, we want you to just room with us. Stay here at our home. And he begins to minister to the Jews and the Greeks or the Gentiles. Boy, that's, that's something unusual. He taught for hours, planted seed after seed, night after night, reasoned with them on their level, used every persuasion that he knew, gave it his best shot, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. God, I've been faithful to this, faithful to this. Financially, I've been broke all my life, and I, I'm doing my tithe and going to church, but there is no financial breakthrough. 
God, I fought this sickness and this pain, and there is no, no breakthrough to this situation. God, I've witnessed and done my best till I've been embarrassed at times, and I haven't seen one person really, really, really say, okay, pray the prayer, a sinner's prayer with me, and let me pray. God, nothing has happened. Paul, what is his credentials? Well, the great teacher of Jewish law, guest speaker, intellectual, well-educated. He's won thousands of people to the Lord thus far, but in this situation, nothing happened. Sometimes life will shift into neutral. Sometimes growth patterns in your life will shift to neutral. Sometimes you, don't, you can't go forward, you can't go backwards. It's the time, and do not become weary in well-doing. You might call that a desert experience. My dad said, do something even if it's wrong. That's what he taught me. You know, I read between the lines. He said, hey, don't be idle. Why, dad? Well, idleness is the, is the devil's territory. You just, you don't, you're not idle. That's, that's how I was raised. The, the issue is nothing happened. But when nothing happens, listen carefully, seek God's face because you just may be in a place when it's God's divine will that nothing happened. Is that permission to quit? No. Is that permission to retreat? No. It is the time to learn. God, what is it that's causing me to sit at a place when nothing is happening? The only thing that is happening is ridicule and persecution. He says, that didn't work. Let me try this. That didn't work. And it was shaky, no results. Someone stated, and I'll share it with you, stopping at third base adds no more to the score than striking out. All that running around the bases, but it doesn't score. Acts 18, verse 6. But when the Jews, notice this, these are my own people. When the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. In other words, listen to me, my Jew friends. If you think that if you persecute me, you ridicule me, that I'm going to stop, there are other people that you deeply do not appreciate, you don't love and don't want to be in the same room. I'll go to them because this message that I have was for the Jew and the Gentile. So don't think for a minute I'm going to get discouraged and run out of opportunity to share what it is I have to share. Many of us in this room often feel the same way. You find, you find your life in a mix of great difficulty. Maybe, maybe you married and you thought, hey, this person promised to go to church and love God, but after marriage, buddy, we were in church, and then after several years of marriage, now they don't even go to church, and I try to live out my faith for God. It's really tough. If I pay my tithe, he or she speaks up and says, I don't want you to do that. That's money that we can use. And you find, out, you find yourself in that situation and say, God, how did I ever get into this mess? A new, a new phrase that's used by the youth culture today. Oh, that's messy. That's messy. They're in a messy situation. Or you got a bad evaluation at work. 
You think, wow, I've been, I've been coming in early, or you work with unbelievers, so they want to curse every time you turn around. They look at me with turning their nose up, can't seem to make any headway, and it appears that nobody cares. Nobody cares. And it's because I had expectations, that this, but it, hasn't, it just hasn't happened. And when those things happen, we react like Paul And it is a decision. Radically committed is the root word for that is root. It means that you are so committed that the root drives deep into the earth to the resource of water and nutrients. And it's one that you will not easily pull out of the ground because it's driven deep. Why shouldn't God have the right to put us in any situation if we're radically committed to him? Why does he have to make an excuse if life seems to be in neutral? Why does he have to make an excuse to pep us along because we haven't seen any results? Why do we expect God to do that? Why can't we just say, God, I made a commitment. I fell in love with you. And I've had more favor than I've ever had displeasure. So I'm simply going to stick with it. What are we committed to? Here's what he said. No matter what you're doing, you're sharing the gospel. You're living a godly life. You're being available to witness. And you're giving all that you have to meet someone else's need. What about me? And God said, I told you I'd take care of you. Let me meet somebody else's need through you as you remain committed. Secondly, think. Opposition will not stop you. Opposition will not stop you. Acts 18.10, for I am with you. Say that with me, for I am with you. Say it again, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack. And then he adds, there's not a period there. No one is going to attack and harm you. No one is. No one is. Someone asked me the other day. Matter of fact, I ran into a lady in a store just yesterday. I'd gone with Sharon and been the good husband. World class. (laughs) And this lady walked up to me and she was loud. She had a butch haircut. She was about that tall, and she was loud. She was wrinkled. And I'm just minding my own business. She walked up to me and got right down in my face. What happened to you? I had the same thing. I looked on her leg. She had a tattoo about that long on her leg. I thought she must be 85 years old. She said, I'm 67. I didn't ask. She said, you're not even close to looking like I look. I thought, buddy, (laughs) 
She says, here. She pulled her phone out. She went through her pictures. And she showed me a picture of her. Cancer on her nose. They pulled her hairline down over her nose. And she showed pictures of that while that skin was pulled down. And I thought, oh, Lord, Jesus, that is so sad. She said, the only problem now is I have a lot of hair that just wants to grow on my nose off the top of my head. <laughs> I said, well, that's, that's really good. Sharon said, why didn't you just get up and move? I said, hey, <laughs> I was bored until then. <laughs> Looked at that, I thought, Lord. Help me. And she kept on and on and on. She went into trial on a dress. She came out. How do you think this looks on me? <laughs> you know, well, ma'am, it's probably a size too small for you. But other than that, you know, no, I didn't say that. But I wanted to. How big does the opposition have to be for you to quit? How big does the opposition have to be for you to just backtrack? How many people's got to get in your face before you say, no more? How many prayers will need to go unanswered for you before you say, God, you said you wouldn't leave me, but you have. I'm done. How many church people's got to hurt you? How many before you say, eh? All of my hypocrites, my sinner friends, treat me better than church people. Paul's dealing with all of those emotions. But Paul had experienced this before. He knew there were other places that needed the gospel. He knew that this was, what sometimes we overlook, was spiritual warfare. That it wasn't just an activity that was taking place. But it was actually spiritual warfare that was taking place. And he knew they would try to kill him. The passage does not say that opposition will not come. It declares that when it does come, it will not stop you. It will not harm you. And all of a sudden, guess what? Guess what? Paul, you need a little miracle here? Crispus, who was the chief ruler of the synagogue, received Christ. So these Jews looked and said, how in the world did this guy who's a ruler of the synagogue, how did he get saved? We mentioned that this morning. We're losing our edge. And Paul, you are the reason for that. So what happened? The opposition heated up. When you decide that you are facing insurmountable circumstances and you remain faithful and you remain committed and you remain diligent in all those efforts and you keep your praise face on and you keep your praise heart in your life and you continue to give God glory in the midst of difficulty, the opposition will heat up. He will come at you from every angle. But I declare to you the blood of Jesus Christ has power over the opposition of the enemy and the name of Jesus is a name that Satan cannot take and if you declare your faith in Jesus Christ God will take that opposition and turn it around eventually and bring glory and honor to Almighty God. And I've seen it over and over and over again. 
Opposition is the act of Satan's displeasure. I often tell people, if the devil is after you, it means he doesn't have you. And as he's after you, it means you're doing something of value and substantial. And it can come in many different ways. Lack of results, lack of support, satanic divisiveness. Plans seem to change over. Paul's penetrating. What is he doing? Your faithfulness in difficult circumstances penetrates the strongholds of Satan. After I've done everything, I stand. The strongholds of Satan and the opposition were severe. God whispered to Paul, don't be afraid, be courageous, be bold. Shift it into a positive outlook. I'm with you. Nobody's going to harm you. And you can always react in two different ways. One, you retreat and become driven by fear. And if you ever retreat, the devil will remember it and he'll come after you again and again and again. Or you advance and dig in and you become driven by the power of faith. And sometimes you act on faith when you don't have the energy to act on it. Well, I wouldn't tell a lie. You're not telling a lie. Sometimes acting of faith, my friend, is exactly that, a faith action. That you don't have the gumption or the will to do it, but you just stick to what you know and you pick up and say, by the grace of God, I know out there, there is a touch of the Holy Spirit that is available to me. And when you advance, here's what you do. You believe in God's word. Here's what he said, Isaiah 45, I will go before you and will level the mountains. I'll break down the bronze gates and cut through the iron bars. We pray, whatever you ask in prayer, believe and you'll receive it. You fast according to Matthew 17. 20 I fast and when it does come stay with the plan keep going and watch what God will do he will do it he will do it lead for the future lead for the future friend lead in a way that this could be the last day you're on earth. Lead in a way that the trumpet could sound. Don't ever lose that edge that the trumpet could sound right now. Hallelujah. That he is coming again. Amen. Just get up and go by the grace of God. Believe it. Lead for the future. Why? This is what God said to Paul. Because I have many people in this city well they ain't coming by to visit me god where are they at oh they'll they'll come about that time christmas the chief ruler of the synagogue got saved you see what i'm talking about paul i didn't get an average person out there i gave you the i gave you the ruler of the synagogue he prayed why because the power of my word got to him why is that statement i have people in this city why is that statement important why is it important because people were the very reason that Jesus gave his life. Just one. Just one. The problem has never been the lack of unsaved people. They're everywhere. Or the lack of opportunity or the lack of need. It's always been this. The failure of godly people to stand in the gap with zeal and determination and not move. Not move. God, you can count on me. And count on me by the grace of God. 
I had a root canal this week. What a wonderful experience. I dreaded it. I did. And I didn't even know what I was dreading. I just listened. Lori, my daughter, said, oh, I've had two of those. So, well, here I am at this young age. I get into the specialist. And he looked at all the x-rays. I don't know how big they think your mouth is. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like they take a train and put in there. He said, I see the x-rays here. He said, we can do one of two things. He said, I can save the tooth. It wasn't up here in the front where it's easy pickings. It's next to the last tooth in the back. He said, I can pull the tooth. But that's going to leave a big gaping hole back there. Or I can give you a root canal. I said, what do you recommend? I'm, I'm waiting. He said, root canal. I said, okay, let's go. They always tell you, pinch, little pinch, don't believe it. It's never a little pinch. What I've been through with this, it's never a little pinch. So, buddy, I want you to know, I said, I've already been here. I've heard just a little pinch. You know, what do you have, a fire hose with deadening stuff in it? <coughs> just a little pinch. So he put, put ointment in there to deaden it. God bless that ointment. He said, no, the one in here, this one is going to hurt. I thought, oh, Lord. It did. I said, I'm not easily numbed. He numbed me so well that this eye froze and would not move <laughs> over here. And it was up here that he's doing his work. He said, we're going to make you comfortable. Oh, you are. That's good news. See, we lay down on the chair. I'm just giving him my own experience. Given my own experience, I'm in the chair, and they take the chair and they lean you back and put your feet way above your head. I don't like that position. That's not comfortable for me. My head is almost in his lap. I don't like that either. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So he gets going. Here's what I found out. I'm, 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 hanging, I'm, I'm hanging on to the arms of that chair. He says, now listen, you're going to have a lot of water, a lot of water, a lot of water. Have you ever tried to swallow upside down? I mean, swallow upside down, a lot of water. Don't you have anything that vacuums that water up any quick? And I'm holding on. He said, don't move, don't move, don't move. I'm afraid I can't go right. I can't go left. I'm holding on. Sweat is pouring off me as much as David Carlisle. I didn't have a black towel. <laughs> Hold on. And I found myself shaking. And the little gal beside it attends Victory Church, I found out at the end. Oh, I go to Victory. I thought, great day. Holding on, ready to get out. But don't move, don't move, don't move. 
And I thought about it because I knew this message. I thought, God, to me, that's a real good example of not giving up, of sticking with it. Even if you're shaking, even if you can't swallow, do I have any pity out there at all from anybody? Just raise your hand. Help me out. Hear the words that to me are second to enter in, you have been faithful. The words, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Thank you, Jesus. We're done and got up and put the wedge. When they put that wedge in, he said, now this, we're going to go past when it hurts. Now, what I found out that means, your mouth can stretch wider than what you think. I said, I don't want you to mess with my mouth now, because that's what I use to make a living with. You mess up my mouth, I'm in deep trouble. But that experience. And then I thought this, I don't care. I don't care what they think about me i'm hanging on in your love for jesus here's what he wants us to hang on to our first love he wants us to hang on to that first passion he wants us to hang on to that first love and say, don't settle for second love. Don't settle for mediocre love. Don't settle for, for lukewarm love. Stay with it if you have to shake. And don't give up. And Paul knew, hey, I can't see the people that are responding. But God said, listen, buddy, you hang on because there are people that you don't see. And don't get discouraged because my plan is going to work. And here's how it works. Paul said, I'm going to plant the seed. Apollos is going to water. But only only God can make it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters anything, but only God, only God. And whatever we do and we hang in there gets the honor and the glory. Paul stayed there another year and a half. And many people came to faith because he weathered through a place that he thought, well, I feel like I'm in neutral. Nothing happens. And God whispered to him and said, whether you know it or not, you think you're in neutral. There are people that are being stirred to receive the message of the gospel that is delivering. Father God, in your name, Holy Spirit, comforter of God, breathe on me. Lamb of God, humbly we approach your throne tonight. People in this room, God, are some, as we used to say, they're on their last leg. They're on their last nerve. They retreated as far as they can retreat. They're beginning to wonder. Some are watching online, beginning to wonder, God, where you are. But we read the story of this great apostle in the book of Acts who had every reason to say, God, listen, I've been whipped and beat up, but I am not going to be whipped and beat up again. I think I paid my dues. But God, you said 
that I would not be attacked and brought harm against me. So I'm sticking in there. I'm trusting you. I'm giving it all I've got. I'm giving every ounce of my energy and all of my efforts. For you are so good to me and your love is so great for me. You bless my family. You've healed some in my family. You've given me increase. You've given me favor. You've given me blessing. You've given me clear understanding. You brought me through many desert places. And in this place that I'm at tonight, Father God, there's no devil in hell that's big enough or strong enough to shake me loose. For just as it is stated in Revelation, I am an overcomer by the word of my testimony and the blood of the Lamb. So my testimony is, I shall remain true and faithful. I shall remain committed. I shall remain stalwart in my faith. I will not allow the enemy to get one inch. And God, if I'm in a stalemate right now, one thing after another continues to happen and I don't seem to be pulling out, I'll be just fine because I know you're here. You didn't promise me results. You promised me relationships. And I want my relationship to be strong. So I'm going to ask those in our audience tonight, just please stand to your feet. And those of you watching online, we're going to pray this prayer that will liberate all of us from sin. And we need to pray and believe God. But would you join in with us as we repeat this prayer? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus forgive me. Forgive me. I have wallowed in self-pity. Self-pity. And I've allowed the enemy, I've allowed the enemy to, drive a wedge to drive a wedge into my life, into my life between, those I love most. between those I love most. But Lord Jesus, but Lord Jesus this, night, this night, I'm declaring victory. I'm declaring victory. I, will not be moved I will not be moved by the darkness of the enemy. By the darkness of the enemy. But I shall be redeemed. I shall be delivered. I shall overcome by the grace of God. Hear me when I say to you, Father. I will hang on to you with all my strength and with all my might. And I will trust you with my very life. Please forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you need prayer, we're going to worship just a few moments. But there is a delivering presence of the Holy Spirit here. There's a redeeming ebb that's flowing in us in this room. And those of you online right now, if we are obedient for a few minutes, I have a feeling that God is going to reach down and some of you are going to receive a special anointing. Some of you are going to be encouraged because the devil has been lying to you. And tonight, you're standing by the grace of God. As we sing, would you slip down to this altar and would you let God touch you and breathe upon you for whatever need you may have? And we're going to trust God for it. Here we go. We'll wait on you for a few moments, everybody. <laughs>